0: You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to our Sunday gathering today. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn in the book of Psalms to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Uh, as Adam was sharing earlier, uh, we kicked off our series uh, in Psalms last week, and uh, Adam brought our first message to us from Psalm 34, did a great job of uh, showing both the the background connection with uh, what was going on in David's life at the time that he wrote Psalm 34, the distress that he was under. And I thought it was really neat how he tied in uh, as David is confessing these truths in the, midst of, in the midst of his distress that God brought other people who were in distress to him. Um, and so he was able to uh, then lead those people in some of the same truths that he was relying upon. And that's really what we've talked about, why we want to be in the book of Psalms right now, because in the book of Ephesians, we saw that we're supposed to speak to one another uh, in Psalms. And I told you that while part of that application is for us to come ready and prepared to sing and to worship with our voices on a Sunday morning, there's also this piece too, where I think we are to be able to speak encouragement to one another based on what we find in the book of Psalms. And I told you that some of our most beloved verses that we go to regularly and quote and memorize are found in this book. And so, I want us to become more familiar with not just verses, uh, you know, individualized, but even in the context of what's going on in the rest of the chapter. And so as we work through the book of Psalms, I want us to see that the direct application for us is to be able to use these truths to encourage ourselves, but also to be able to turn around and encourage others as we speak to one another in Psalms. Psalm 34 was great from Adam last week. Again, just the idea of uh, what it looks like to suffer and to suffer well and to be saved from that suffering. Um encourage you to go back and listen to it if you didn't get a chance to uh, be with us last week. Um, and then I told you that we're going to just be kind of bouncing around the book of Psalms. It's not going to be that we're going in a particular order necessarily, uh, but really just kind of drawing upon different things that God's teaching us as elders as we teach through this together. Um, and so as I was kind of pondering and praying through where to go next, obviously the, the season of Thanksgiving this week uh, had me thinking along those lines, and so it brings us to Psalm 100, uh, and I want to read that for us today. It's a short chapter, uh, but I think it's full of a, a lot of truth and knowledge and application that we need to know, um, even as we go through this week, and how we can uh, be more grateful and thankful this week in the ways that we express our gratitude to God. It says in Psalm chapter 100, verse 1, to all generations. Our summary sentence for today. Because of who God is and how he chooses to interact with his people, Christians are called to respond with joyful service and thankful praise. Because of who God is and how he chooses to interact with his people, Christians are called to respond with joyful service and thankful praise. For our kids, we have much to be thankful for because of who God is. As you're kind of reflecting upon that, some of you may be writing down that summary sentence. Let me ask you this question, and I don't, I don't want answers right now. I just want you to kind of answer to yourself: What are you thankful for as we approach this week of Thanksgiving? What is it that you find yourself being uh, thankful for? What is it that you would express gratitude for? This is a, a common question that we might ask, and, and some of you may even ask, choose to ask this question when you're around the dinner table later this week with family and friends. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon for people to go around and share things that they are thankful for. Um, it, it's a time where not only Christians, but unchristians are even drawn to this mindset of gratitude and thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? What are you prone to highlight when that question is asked, right? Um, I know for me, my typical response is to go to my immediate circumstances, right? If you ask me, what am I thankful for? Then I'm going to probably go to some immediate circumstances that I'm going through that I can draw upon as things that I'm thankful for, right? Maybe it's my job, maybe it's my family, maybe it's particular things related to my job or my family that have happened very recently that my mind goes to very quickly, I know sometimes in these type of contexts, when you're thinking about what you're thankful for, it's not uncommon for somebody to kind of prompt or prod somebody to feel thanksgiving by even drawing upon other people who are less fortunate, right? Think about all we have to be thankful for, because think about others who don't have as much as we have, right? And I'm always... I'm always kind of cringing when I hear that type of perspective or that type of mindset. I heard somebody speaking this week even who who kind of drew upon that idea. Think about what we have to be thankful for because think about people around the world maybe who don't have some of the things that we have. And it's not that I would say that we shouldn't be thankful for our immediate circumstances or we shouldn't be thankful for things that we have that maybe others aren't blessed to have. But I think scripture would have us to go much deeper in our foundation for what it is that we're thankful for. What is uh, our our basis, our foundation for gratitude and thanksgiving? What is the the reason that we would give praise and and adoration to God more so than just our immediate circumstances? Is there something that kind of uh, ties all of that together? And that's what I want us to kind of see here in, in Psalm 100 because I think those other mindsets, while again, we should be absolutely thankful for what God has given to us. Um, I think when we use the less fortunate to drive our thanksgiving, it reduces what a less fortunate person has to be thankful for, right? Think about that. That's why it's kind of cringeworthy to me is that, let's say I go on a mission trip, right? And, and it's to a place that has less material things than I do. I think it's dangerous to come back and think, oh, I have so much to be thankful for because there are people around the world who have so much less than I do. Because imagine being a Christian in those contexts. Do I have less to be thankful for then? Do I have less reason to give gratitude to God because he's given me less material things? Again, it's not that we're not thankful for the things that God has given to us, but I think we need to be much deeper in our understanding of what we have to be thankful for. I think when we're prone to only think about our immediate circumstances or our material possessions, it also fails to separate us from what a non-believer would have to be thankful for as well, right? If we're prone to immediately think, I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for my house, I'm thankful for my job, well, these are things that an unbeliever can be very much thankful for as well, right? This would be common grace that God gives, not just to his people, but to all of creation, right? The Bible talks about how he causes the, uh, the sun to shine and the rains to fall on the crops of the believer and the unbeliever. And so we should certainly be thankful for these things. But I think what Psalms 100 reminds us is that we have much deeper things to be thankful for, regardless of what circumstances we're experiencing at the time. And that's what I want us to see here in this chapter, the things that really drive us to thankfulness as believers. Psalms 100 gives us an important foundation for our thanksgiving. It helps us to see why we can be thankful in all of our circumstances because We are believers. We're going to see here in this chapter that there are truths that we need to know. And when we know those truths, when we come to an understanding of those truths, it drives us to these joyful acts of thanksgiving that are talked about here. The idea of making a joyful noise, serving the Lord with gladness, coming into his presence with singing, entering his gates with thanksgiving, entering his courts with praise, giving thanks to him, blessing his name. If you want to write this passage down, or if you want to turn over there real quickly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll start in verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The the command here to Christians is that we're to give thanks in all of our circumstances whether they are circumstances that we would choose, whether they are desirable circumstances or not, the expectation is that there is a foundation that we have that allows us to give thanks in all circumstances. And really, that that ability to give thanks in all circumstances is available to all the earth. It says that make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. All the earth should be capable of making a joyful noise to him, regardless of our circumstances, right? So what this means is, is that whether you're a believer here in the United States where maybe you enjoy material possessions at a, at a heightened uh, excess or you're a, you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're a missionary, you're somewhere else on the other side of the world and your circumstances are far different, right? Adam talked about believers being uh, persecuted and, and locked up for their faith, right? They may be sitting in jail this week while we sit around a table and eat until our, our stomachs can take no more. And both of us have equal reason to be grateful. Both of us have equal reason to be thankful, especially since Scripture does such an a intentional job of helping us to see that trials are used for good purposes in our life, right? So it's not that the one who's sitting in prison is at a disadvantage, right? He can rejoice in the midst of the trial knowing that the trial strengthens his faith. And so Psalms 100 gives us truths that we need to know to help us to give thanks in all circumstances. There's I think what we see here is four sections in Psalm 100, but it's really four sections of, of two bigger sections, right? So you look at Psalm 100, it's five short verses. Verses one and two give us this, uh, these commands to, to bring a certain level of emotion and response, right? The idea of the joyful noise. And then you also see that in verse four, the idea of entering his gates with thanksgiving, okay? And then you also have in verse three, and in verse five, these knowledge or this the, these truths that we're to have knowledge about that really leads to these type of emotional responses. So section one would be verses one through three, where we have the commands to, to respond in a certain way to the truths that we see in verse three. Then that second section would be the response we're to have in verse four to the truths that we know in verse five. The idea there is that who God is drives the response of the believer. What we know of him shapes how we respond to him, meaning the better we know him, the more we trust him. The more we trust him, the more we will obey him. I saw somebody post, and I'd love to give credit to him, and I can't remember who it was. It was a pastor or a blogger, but posted something on social media this week that basically says this. um, We may not be able to thank him for all of our circumstances, but we must strive to give him thanks in all of our circumstances, right? We may not be able to thank him for our circumstances, right? Scripture is never driving us to be grateful and thankful for evil and suffering that may be happening in our life, but it does drive us to give thanks in those circumstances, and I think Psalm 100 helps to lay the foundation for why we can, why we can give thanks in all circumstances, and so I hope to lead you in seeing that today. Let's start by looking at number one here. Be thankful for God, a God who is good. We're going to jump around a little bit in this chapter. Um, because it's a song, because it's poetry, um, we're going to kind of draw truth. And so we'll bounce around in these chapters, realizing that uh, it's written in a way to, uh, to be sung and to be enjoyed and to be expressed uh, by the people of God. Be thankful for God, a God who is good. Notice what we learn here and see here about God in this, in this chapter. In verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. And then in verse 5, for the Lord is good. Two things that I want to draw your attention to there. Number one, we can rejoice over God who makes his presence known. We can rejoice over God who makes his presence known. And We can also rejoice over God who makes his goodness known, a God who makes his presence known, and a God who makes his goodness known. And these are two things that we're prone to take for granted, right? But there are people out there who believe that that the world, the earth, the universe is created by a God, but he has, for the most part, remained disconnected from it, right? That he basically got everything kind of rolling and moving in a direction, but God stays out of it afterwards. We don't see that type of God in Scripture, right? God has revealed himself as a God who makes his presence known within his creation. The Bible talks about this in Romans chapter 1, right? That it's his eternal power, his divine nature can be seen all over the earth. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you have the Bible in a language that you can read and understand or not, a knowledge of God exists in every nation all around the earth. God can be known. And to an extent, his goodness can be known as well. Right, even if there's not a knowledge of God and and what He has done, there's still a general knowledge of God's goodness. Right, I mentioned to you earlier, unbelievers will celebrate Thanksgiving this week. Um, I don't know the dynamic of what that looks like to be an unbeliever and celebrating Thanksgiving because I don't really know who you're giving thanks to. I don't know who you're expressing gratitude to. Um, but but unbelievers will gather this week and they will give thanks and they will offer gratitude for all that they have, all that they possess. Those are all good gifts from the one who gives from above, right? Right. Whether they acknowledge the source of it or not, all good gifts come from him, right? All fruit of our labor comes from him. And so believer or unbeliever has the ability to thank God and to thank God for his goodness because he reveals himself as that type of God. But when we stop recognizing that, when we stop recognizing his presence or his goodness That's what leads us into sin. It's what Adam and Eve were guilty of. They began to give in to the temptation of Satan and began to question God's authority and God's ability and God's power and particularly his goodness. When they should have been prone to give thanks to God for all that he had blessed them with in the garden, they were prone far more to think about what he hadn't given them, right? And it led them into a mindset of distrust and then ultimately into a mindset of sin, which is really where we all fall when we stop seeing God's existence and his goodness. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, talking about the fate of mankind and his downward spiral away from relationship with God, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things therefore god gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves right mankind spirals in a direction towards sin and away from god when he stops giving thanks to god for the things that come from him right so it's an encouragement to us as we think about this week a week that is set aside for this, that this really should be a common practice for us as believers all year long, not just during the week of Thanksgiving, but we draw attention to it this week because our calendar tells us to, right? But we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, a God who has made his presence known, a God who has made his goodness known, something that we should be ready to acknowledge, something that we should be ready even to submit to, and we'll talk more about that here in a minute, The idea that this knowledge of who God is drives us to obedience to him. But it starts by knowing these things, the psalmist tells us. Know that the Lord, he is God. For the Lord is good. He's a God who's made his presence known. He's a God who has made his goodness known. Number two, be thankful for his personal loving relationship. Be thankful for his personal loving relationship. Previously, we said that we can be thankful for a God who exists, a God who is good. That's the who he is portion of this chapter. Now we're looking at what he does. Be thankful for his personal, loving relationship. Number one, we can rejoice that he desires relationship with us. The passage here talks about how he made us. We are His. He made us and makes it possible for us to be His. Now, this is distinguishing between an unbeliever and a a believer and an unbeliever, right? God has made all of creation, but there's a particular group of people that belong to Him, right? Now, we would have all belonged to Him had we stayed in relationship with Him in the garden. God creates Adam and Eve, therefore he creates all of mankind, but because of sin, death entered into the world, separation from God entered into the world, and so now there's a portion of people that are being saved back to him. Okay, So we're made by him, and then a certain group of us really in a covenantal-type loving relationship belong to him is what the psalmist is highlighting for us here. It's he who made us, and we are his He returns us to fellowship and relationship with him. We can rejoice that he desires that relationship with us. He desires it so much that he he makes provision even before creation is done that we can be rescued back to him in spite of our sin. He's a good God. He's a God who exists. He's a God who uh, we can rejoice about because he desires a relationship with us. And then number two, we can rejoice that we can experience his loving goodness. We can rejoice that we can experience his loving goodness. What do I mean by that? We don't just have to hear about his goodness. We can enjoy his goodness. We can experience personally, right? Um, Obviously, one of the roles that I play in my life, not just as a husband and as a dad, when it comes to my job, I'm a principal, right? And so I have people who work for me. Um, and there are people that work for me that believe that I'm a good boss, right? Uh, and hopefully I am. Um, I'm not saying that by myself, but, but hopefully I am able to demonstrate what it looks like to be a good boss. And some of those employees that work for me tell me how they tell other people how much they love working for me and how good of a boss I am, Right? But as they talk about me to other people, they're simply talking about me with no real opportunity for those people to experience working for me. Unless something opens up and we have conversations and they end up being hired by me, all they can hear about is what it's like to work for Adam. He's a good boss. But they're kind of blocked from ever experiencing that. They may have a boss that's, that's not a good boss, or they may have a, good, a boss that is good, Either way, all they're allowed to do then is to hear about what it's like to work for me. That's not what it's like with God, right? The psalmist tells us here's a God who exists. Here is a God who is good, and we can experience that. We can experience his goodness. We can experience what it's like to be his. It says that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. His steadfast love is, endures forever, verse 5 says. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We don't just have to hear about his goodness. We can experience it personally, meaning these things that we read about, particularly in the Old Testament, these things aren't just true for Israel. And hopefully you saw that as we worked through uh, the book of Ephesians, right? That God has taken Jew and Gentile and made one people of God. He has brought us together in unity, which means when he describes and talks about how he treats his people in the Old Testament, we can see those things, be encouraged by things, those things, and know, hey, that's how he treats me as his people in the New Testament. Right? This this shepherding motif that you that you see referenced here, the idea that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I mean that runs all through scripture, particularly in the Old Testament. Right? It's that concept of him being a shepherd as he leads the people of Israel out of Egypt through the promised land, takes them exactly where they need to go even takes them the route that they need to go a lot of times. It's a fascinating study if you go and look and see the journey that Israel makes from Egypt to the promised land and how God was very particular in the ways that he even took them to provide for them. Things that they avoided by going certain ways. Things that they encountered because they went certain ways. Man, he was a shepherd to those people. He was a shepherd to the sheep and he cared for them. Right. So you read this and it says, man, he is our God, we are his But the the understanding of what it means to be his is to be a sheep belonging to a shepherd. One who loves us and cares for us and provides for us, right? Not an oppressive type of we belong to God and he is owning us. No, we belong to God in a way where he cares for us. He shepherds us. Right, you read this, the Psalm twenty-three, which we'll get to at some point. You read Psalm twenty-three, and you see yourself in that psalm. It's not just a psalm that that David and the other Old Testament people could claim and say, "Hey, he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death." No, he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. He brings me to green pastures because I'm part of that people group that belongs to him. We are his. Right? We're not just hearing about a good God. And if you're if you're uh, you know one of our kids today and 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 you're you're one who has made an expression of faith you're part of this people group now but maybe you're sitting here and you haven't made a profession of faith you can be a part of this people group you can be a part of the people who say we are his he is our shepherd we are his sheep he cares for us he loves us that's the difference between just simply knowing that the lord is god and knowing that he is good the psalmist takes it a step further and says we are his His steadfast love endures forever. That idea of his steadfast love, it's kind of the application of a good God, right? He is a good God who then uses that goodness and applies it to us in the form of his enduring steadfast love. We're experiencing his goodness by being loved by him. It's not just for Israel. It's not just for other people. It's available to all of us. In fact, it's available to the whole earth, right? The whole earth can make this joyful noise to the Lord. The whole earth can come under submission to him. The whole earth can be part of his people, his sheep in his pasture. All of us can come giving thanks and gratitude for his goodness and his steadfast love that endures forever. Be thankful for his personal loving relationship, what he does. And then number three, be thankful for his ongoing faithfulness to all. all right, so be thankful for God, a God who is good. That's the who he is portion of this chapter. Be thankful for God, a God who is good. Be thankful for his personal loving relationship, what he does. And now be thankful for his ongoing faithfulness to all. It's how he does it. It's how he takes his goodness, expresses it in love, right? He does it to all generations, not just to an immediate group of people, but to all of his people for all time. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We don't have to worry about these things that we're seeing about God here expiring, right? His existence will not expire His care as a shepherd will not expire. His steadfast love endures forever. Therefore, it will not expire. His goodness does not run out. We can rejoice, number one, because his past treatment of his people continues today. His past treatment of his people continues today. His people, the sheep of his pasture, just like he led Israel, he leads and protects us today. The the past treatment of his people, and this is where uh, you'll hear Tyson and I both reference this a lot because this was something that we talked about way back in our days at Mount Gilead. The past faithfulness of who God is gives us such strength and encouragement about how he will be faithful today, right? So, the Old Testament, it's, a lot of that's been fulfilled in the New Testament, right? A lot of that was shadow of things to come, all of it finding its fulfillment in Jesus. But we don't cast away the Old Testament as though, okay, that was pointing to Jesus. Now we have Jesus, so let's just lock and load on the New Testament because that's all we need. No, the Old Testament is chock full of examples of how God is faithful to his people, how God cares for his people when they're in the midst of distress, when their circumstances aren't desirable, when they're having to cry out to God for his provision because they don't see it, right? We read these stories, uh, and they're not just moral lessons for us. They are examples of how God cares for his people, how God provides for his people, right? For our youth, you find yourself in a setting, whether it's at uh, public school, private school, wherever it may be with your friends, where you feel like everybody else is choosing to do the wrong thing, right? Right? You read stories like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you see that God provides for his people even when they're the minority, right? even when they're the only ones standing up and doing what's right, even in the face of opposition where they're being told, you will be ostracized, you will be killed for this, which, to my knowledge, none of our youth are facing for standing up and doing the right thing, right? None of them are facing a fiery furnace. None of them are facing a lion's den, right? But they are facing things that are very real to them, right? friendships, acceptance, identity. Man, we can read these stories in the Old Testament and say, you know what? I'm one of God's people. And I know that I need to be resolved to do the right thing at all times, even when nobody else is doing it. And I can read examples of how God provided for his people in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of those challenges, right? He empowered his people to stand up in the face of opposition and to give honor and glory to him even when nobody else was doing it. And so our, our young people can stand in opposition today and say, you know what, I am his people. I'm the sheep of his pasture and my shepherd will carry me through this. Even though it may be hard, even though it may be difficult, he will carry me through. His past faithfulness, his past treatment of his people continues today. But number two, we can rejoice because his current treatment of his people will continue beyond today right whether he tarries or not he will continue to treat his people tomorrow like he has always been doing and that's great encouragement to us as well right his treatment is not on the back end of his goodness and love and that's about to change it's about to run out it's about to expire no the ways he treated us in the past his people in the past it's how he treats us today and the way he's treating us today in addition to the ways that he treated us in the past, is how he will continue to treat us in the future. I mean, this gives me great hope as a parent too, right? Because those of us that are parents, we're most likely not going to outlive the generation that we're raising behind us, right? And it's not a a thought that any of us wants to consider, right? We want to push this as far away from our minds as possible. But man, I'm encouraged by the fact that there may be a day and i would hope for jesus to come back before this day there may be a day where i am on my deathbed and i know that i am exiting this world myself and i'm leaving my kids behind and for years i have shepherded them for years i have cared for them for years i have provided for them and reality sets in that i'm about to leave and i'm not going to be here anymore what a comfort to a parent to know my God will continue to treat my children the way that he's always treated his people, right? I'm not gonna be here to care for them anymore. I'm not gonna be here to make sure that they're okay. But my God will continue to treat them faithfully because he's always treated his people faithfully. That's such an encouragement to us that, that how he has treated people. You know, Adam made reference to this. Um, I think he made reference to this about um, the, the, the people in Peter's time, studying the same psalm that we were studying last week, right? Think about that. Think about the fact that, that people in the New Testament, in that early church, would have potentially listened to sermons just like you're getting from me today about God's faithfulness to his people and how he endures in his love and he cares and shepherds. That message has been for, for all of God's people's time. Right? It's not a new message. It's an old message. And people, God's people for years, for centuries, have been able to see this to be true. The Lord, he is God. We are his, the people, the sheep of his pasture. Steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Things that we can be thankful for, regardless of our circumstances. Right? Whether our circumstances are trending upward and we're really glad about things that are happening in our life, or whether they're trending downward, and we're looking around saying, this is not what I would choose, right? This Thanksgiving is different than previous Thanksgivings because I'm not as grateful for my immediate circumstances as I was previously. mean, as believers, our, our depth of gratitude can go way deeper than our immediate circumstances. We can be thankful for a God who is good, but not just a God who is good that we hear about. We can be thankful for his personal loving relationship that he gives to us. We can be his. We can be his sheep. And then third, we can be thankful for his ongoing faithfulness. That it's not a temporary thing that we have to worry about running out. It continues. It's how he does his goodness. It's how he does his lovingness. It's to extend it in faithfulness to all generations. Which then gives us the implication part of this chapter. Two points of implication that I want to give you here. And these are the the front ends of these sections, right? So we've been heavy on chapter or verse 3 and verse 5 the knowledge that we're to have about who God is, that he is God, that he made us, that we are his, that we're his people, the sheep of his pasture, he's good, his steadfast love endures forever, it's faithful to all generations. These are the things that we have to know. And when we know these things, it leads to our thanksgiving. It leads us to expressing that gratitude. What we know about God should lead to the following. Number one, we are to process life with thankful praise to this God. We are to process all of life with thankful praise to this God. When we see God for who he is and how he's revealed himself, we can thank him for all in the midst of our life. Colossians chapter three, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. In all circumstances, I can be thankful and rejoice about a God who is good, loving, and faithful. Notice I didn't say I can be thankful for the circumstances, right? I'm not trying to, to force us to be grateful for evil that may be happening around us, but in those circumstances, I can be thankful and rejoice about a God who is good, loving, and faithful. And the deeper I embrace these truths, the louder I think I can be in giving him praise and thanks in the midst of even the worst circumstances. And I put in my notes, we ought to make noise with our thanksgiving. We ought to come into corporate gatherings ready to sing. He says make a joyful noise, right? A noise, something that that is loud, right? Our kids know how to make noise. Our kids know how to be loud. Um... This passage is giving us permission to make a joyful noise, to be loud in our thanksgiving, in our gladness, in our singing, in our praise to him. We're to process life with a thankful praise to this type of God. Number two, we're to present ourselves for joyful service to this God as well. Meaning that our service and obedience should be free from complaining or a perceived drudgery, right? This isn't, this isn't where we have to think that, you know, God tells us to be obedient, to do the things that he's called us to because he is God, right? This isn't we do it because he said to do it. The psalmist is helping us to see that we follow him, we submit to him, we obey him because of who he is, because he's a good God, because he loves us, because he's faithful to us. Like These are reasons and motivations for why we would follow him. We serve him with delight, with joy, with gladness. All of life is to become a worshipful experience as we serve him in thanksgiving for all that he is and all that he's done for us. He's given us every reason to be glad and to be joyful. So what we're seeing here is this pattern uh, in Psalm 100, this pattern that we're to be joyful We're to be thankful, and we're to be uh, serving, right? So you see in both these sections, verses 1 through 3 and then 4 through 5, this idea of being joyful, being thankful, and then serving him. It's also the same pattern that we see in Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16. We won't take the time to look at those right now. encourage you to go back and look at those because those were passages we were looking at in our study of Ephesians. In Ephesians 5.18, it's where we talked about being filled with the Spirit. Not being drunk on wine, but being filled with the Spirit. That parallel passage in Colossians tells us to be filled with the Word of God. right? And so we talked about the correlation there. Being filled with the Spirit is being filled with the Word of God. But you go on to read in those two chapters, again, Ephesians 5.18, Colossians 3.16, they both show a similar pattern. Joyfulness, thanksgiving, and then that's where we saw the different levels of service where husbands and wives are serving one another. Bosses and employees are serving one another, right? Parents and children are serving one another. That's what happens when we buy into this idea of who God is. It leads to joyfulness and thanksgiving that necessarily leads into a willingness to serve, a willingness to serve. I wrote this in my notes, a person who is joyfully loud, glad in their service, regularly singing and prone to thanksgiving and praise will demand an answer by others. What do I mean by that? Others look on upon us and they see individuals who are joyfully loud, glad in their service, regularly singing, prone to thanksgiving and praise, regardless of their circumstances. Man, others look at that and say, why? Where's that coming from? And that's when we can turn around and say, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God. Not just a God who's given me a house or given me a great family or given me a car or given me a job. He's done all those things, and I'm thankful for those things. But let me tell you about a God who is good, who is loving, and who is faithful, and I believe those things even when my house is taken, even when my car is not working, even when my spouse potentially leaves me, even when, when a child is taken from me. Man, mean, let me tell you about a God who is good and loving and faithful, and I'm thankful for him in all of my circumstances, right? When we're joyfully loud all of the time about our God, others look on and say, who is this God? Right, And it gives us an opportunity then to give an answer, to give a response for the hope that is in us. Let me read to you this quote from John Piper in closing. When you know your covenant-keeping Lord is the absolute God and that he is the all-powerful creator of all things and that he is like a shepherd who provides pasture for his weak and straying sheep and that he is good... And that his loving kindness, his free and undeserved covenant making mercy is forever. And that he will keep his saving promises to all generations. When you know these things and feel the infinite worth of them, you will not be a selfish person. You will overflow with love and thanksgiving. Our application today is to turn on the music of Psalms and spend time reading these chapters to both shape your emotions with knowledge of him, especially if you're struggling with joyful thanksgiving right now, and to equip your words for encouraging others. And I want to encourage you as we continue through this series to just start reading in the book of Psalms, right? That's, that's really what I'm going to be doing to determine which psalm I'm teaching next, right? Normally, we're going through a book of the Bible, and I just know next week is the next verses that I didn't get to this week, right? But for me to kind of determine, well, which psalm does God want me to teach next, I'm just going to spend time reading through this book. And I would encourage you to do the same, to do so like you would turn on music when, when you want to shape your emotions, right? To turn on the music of Scripture here, to turn on the music of psalms, and spend time reading these chapters to shape your own emotions with the knowledge of him, to allow a knowledge of who he is that these psalmists will express Allow that to shape your emotions, especially if you're in a situation right now where you're having a hard time to praise him and thank him because your circumstances are so undesirable. You are having a hard time thanking him right now. Man, let me drive you to the book of Psalms to see who he is and why we have so much to be thankful for, but also not just for your own growth, for your own emotions, but to equip your words for encouraging others because this goes back to why we're driven to this study right now because we need to be able to speak to other believers in the Psalms, to speak to one another with the truths that are found here. So take what we've seen today, equip yourself to then turn around and be able to share this truth with others that you encounter this week. Maybe it's, maybe it's family that'll come into town that you haven't seen in a while, who are struggling. Believer or unbeliever, take what we've seen today and share that with them. Help them to see that we serve a God who is good, who is loving, who is faithful. Be ready and willing to speak to one another with what we're learning from the book of Psalms. Let's pray together. God, we come to you and we are grateful and thankful for all that you have given to us. Yes, we are thankful for the common graces that we see in our life. Spouses, children, family, houses, cars, money, jobs. We're thankful for those things. But God, we also look at it and say, those are things that unbelievers have too. As believers, we have much deeper reasons to be thankful. We are grateful for every good gift that you you give to us, absolutely. But God, help us to see that we are in a relationship with you, the sovereign creator of the universe who is good. A goodness that we don't just have to hear about, a goodness that we can experience. We thank you for the love that you show us, the ways that you shepherd us through good times and bad times. And God, we are thankful for your faithfulness, that we are included in the people of God that you have been faithful to for all time and that you will continue to be faithful to for all time. God, help us to see that that's the foundation for why we're thankful today. We're thankful for all your good gifts, but most importantly, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for who you are and how you choose to interact with us. God, I'm praying that we'd leave today invigorated to serve you more faithfully because of your faithfulness to us. Lord, help us to express our gratitude by being noisy in our thanksgiving to you. God, help us to serve you with gladness. Help others that we come in contact with this week to need an answer from us about where this comes from. Give us opportunities to praise you and thank you, not just in private, but as a means of witness for you as well. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.